to On the Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We are back on the block here on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Jake Falco, and he is Eric Strickland, and we are on the block. We'll be here every weekday from 4 to 6 and every Wednesday at this time. We'll welcome Evan Bland of the Omaha World on with us. And Evan, I wanted to start with this. Reserve season tickets sold out for 2022 for Nebraska baseball. What does that mean as opposed to season tickets? Can I still get into a baseball game this year? Yes, you can still get into a game. Uh, so I, I double-checked with the ticket office on what exactly that means today. And, and reserve tickets for, for, for season tickets at Haymarket Park, that's about 3,400 seats. So those are what are accounted for for, you know, everything. The midweek games that, that are in, uh, you know, 35-degree temps in mid-March or the, the big weekend series in May, whatever it might be. Um, and then they have the single-game tickets that go on sale, I believe it's Monday morning, uh, that you can buy. And you can still do, I think they call them the diamond deals, where you get nine general admission seats. So, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to show up and, and hang out, um, you know, in right field or go to the berms or whatever, uh, those general admission tickets are still out there. But this sort of speaks to the fact that the, the, the chair backs, um, you know, uh, down the first and third baseline are spoken for. Moving forward, but man, it's it's February 9th, and these things are are out here a month before the first home game at Haymarket Park. It sure speaks to the excitement level and the anticipation Husker fans have for this team in this season. Yeah, absolutely. And in uh, the other the press conference day, Will Bolt spoke with the media as well as a few of the of the uh, baseball players. Uh, what did you take away from that press conference today? Well, you know they're starting to pare down rolls a little bit this is that point in the year uh when you know the, they've seen these guys scrimmage for a little bit but yet they still have a few um outdoor live workouts to go before they finalize a lot of these roles so you know about a week from now we'll probably have a pretty good sense of who their weekend rotation is and what the lineup could be like but right now they're still sort of narrowing that down. Um, so, you know, I think today it was interesting to hear from a couple of the captains, Kyle Perry and Griffin Everett, uh, a couple of in-state guys who took different paths to get to this point, but now they're both captains. And, um, you know, I, the captain thing is interesting to me because that's something that Will Bolt brought back when he came back as coach a couple of years ago. Um, he had been a player captain on the World Series teams, and then it just sort of went away. Uh, in terms of the tradition and, and things that uh, Nebraska baseball coaches wanted to do, but he brought it back and it worked, I thought, really well last year with the captains that they had. Obviously, those players who are no longer here were a big part of the Big Ten championship and uh, a big part of the success that that team had. And so it's always fascinating to me to see what sort of the demographics of the captains are. And in this case, they have three in-state kids, um, like I mentioned with Perry and, and uh and Everett and Shea Shanneman from Grand Island, but they also have a mix of starting pitchers and position players and difference of personalities where you've got a guy like Kyle Perry who uh, is extremely outgoing and sort of the 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 vocal leader, and you have a guy like Everett who's much quieter and, and a lead by example type and um everything in between. So, you know, it, I think Nebraska has shown that who who those leaders are 
really helps set the tone for what the season's going to be along with the staff. And so it's interesting to see, I think, the diverse set of personalities. And um, you know, I thought Perry said it pretty well today when he said, when you have four guys who are as different as those four are, and including Cam Chick, uh, then when you look at the rest of the roster, you know, 30-some guys, there's a pretty good chance that those 30-some guys are going to be able to relate to at least one of those guys in terms of their personality, in terms of who they might work with. So I think Nebraska is in a pretty good spot from a pure leadership standpoint going into the season. Hey, Evan, how you doing, man? Uh, good to have you. Thanks for joining us on the block. Uh, got a question, man, about, you know, obviously rest in peace to uh, Coach Sanders. Um, you know, tell us about a little bit about your thoughts on his legacy and the foundation that he's been able to build over the course of his tenure at Husker uh, Baseball there, and, and what's your thoughts about him? Yeah, you know, I think in the big picture, maybe the casual fan would sort of remember Sanders as the guy before the guy, right? Like he was uh, succeeded by Dave Van Horn and, and that became Nebraska baseball became a national power, a national brand after Sanders left. But, you know, for 20 years, it was John Sanders, it was the Huskers and it was, you know, Buck Belzer field and uh big eight baseball and in February temperatures and all kinds of different conditions from what fans and, and, and followers are accustomed to seeing today. And so, you know, Sanders, if you look back on his career, he was, uh, you know, he had a really strong early part of his tenure. I think he topped seven wins, or I'm sorry, 40 wins in seven of his first eight seasons. He went to three regionals, which at the time was uh, a little bit harder to do and something Nebraska baseball hadn't really done any of to that point. Uh, you look at some of the players that he brought in, whether uh, that was Darren Erstad, who of course was the number one overall pick in the mid nineties, uh, you know, an outfielder like Paul Myers, who was an all American, or you can kind of go down the, down the line. They, they had some talent. Uh, it just never translated in the nineties into the, the, the sort of wins they wanted to get. But talking with players, I mean, Sanders was a guy who, I mean, he was a big physical p- person. He was a big personality. He had a big laugh. I mean, I think sort of the universal sentiment about him from people who played for him was that, you know, he was a tough coach, but at the same time, he wasn't afraid to show his human side and to have, uh, you know, have a laugh or to bring his family to the ballpark when they were going through things. Uh, I talked to one former player who, uh, you know, recalled in the early 90s when they took a road trip into, into South Texas and, and, it, and they incurred some um, – some some racial situations where the fans were yelling things at him and he uh stood by his players and um you know kind of prevented some things from going sideways and he was sort of the the calm and the storm for them so i think there was a sentiment out there that as much as he loved baseball and it was about baseball it was even more about the relationships and about the players and you know again that's sort of a sentiment that people who played for him still remember today you know all these decades later yeah i didn't really get the pleasure to 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 you know make his acquaintance closely because obviously it was a a road for me they knew I was kind of going going uh, professionally so I didn't really get the recruitment aspect of that and obviously when you cross that ball you can't come back so yeah I, I've always heard and, and thought well of him and 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 just he was a presence as you said you know just around uh, around the campus and and just a w- wonderful man and and uh, we're we're glad to have him no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, they, a lot of guys called him Big Red, like because 
You know, he had, he had red hair. He's a big guy, big yeah. personality. Um, and again, like it's, it's one of those deals where like the, the team success wasn't always there as much as they wanted it to be certainly, but uh, it, it's one of those deals where it was so much more than that for him and for the players. And I, you know, I, I never heard anyone say a bad thing about him just to, because of how he treated people and, and how he was in that way. Jumping over to Nebraska basketball uh, now with you, Evan. It, it's kind of funny because uh, we're getting a lot of traction talking Nebraska basketball here, uh, it, and, and it's like it's 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 the polar opposite of that, right? I mean, it's it's the bottom of the barrel, two Big Ten teams playing, eight o'clock tip off on on BTN and all that stuff. Um, but it's almost as if like it, 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 I don't even know how to explain. It. It's like the interest level has gone down so low that it's even more interesting because <laughs> because they have to react to you know Nebraska basketball has to kind of react to that. Yeah, true. I mean, this game, I think on paper, you'd call it the most winnable game they have left on their schedule. So, you know, there, I think there is value in ending the offer and getting off of that specter of 0 for 0 and 20. I mean, that's that obviously not something that you want to be a part of. And even just a little bit of a, of a relief, I think, could go a long way for a team that's, um, you know, when they've played well, they haven't closed. When they haven't played well, they've gotten blown out and, and have, have had energy issues. So, you know, I don't know that what they do against Minnesota or the rest of the year really will change people's opinion on the team. Um, but, man, just a little bit of relief <laughs> could be helpful, right? Because I, I think – I was thinking about this the other day. Like, if you're, if you're a bad basketball team, it's, it's almost the worst sport to be really bad in because football, it's sort of a once-a-week deal. Um, you know, baseball, a lot of that can kind of go under the radar and get kind of goofy – basketball man it's like two or three times a week it's this constant indictment on the program and frustration and all these emotions get stirred up anew and so yeah I mean again I don't think what happens tonight or or quite honestly the rest of the season is going to change uh, what people think I mean I think this season sort of is what it is but at the same time you got to feel for the people that are involved for the fans that are still emotionally invested those those hearty souls out there and certainly, you know, the players and coaches just to get a little bit of a break and um, at the very least avoid being on the wrong side of history when it's all said and done. Evan, big game coming up this weekend, man. Uh, you know, what's, what's your thoughts and, and how do you view who has the advantage in this upcoming Super Bowl? That's going to be fun, isn't it? I mean, this is sort of, yeah. a, of a heart versus head sort of deal for me. Like, I think when you look at it on paper, the Rams are the better team. They have the pass rush. They have uh, more of the, maybe the proven commodities. Uh, but then on the other side, you've got Cincinnati who just sort of feels like this team of destiny right now with what Joe Burrow's doing and, and some of their skill guys. Um, obviously around these parts, the Nebraska connection is really interesting with Zach Taylor, um, but uh, quite a few other ones too. People remember Troy Walters is the offensive coordinator here. He's the receivers coach for the Bengals, Stanley Morgan, it's part of their special teams units now. So, uh, you know, I, I do, I think it'll be a good game. I hope it's a good game. When you think about how these NFL playoffs were from the divisional round on, like a, a, a tight dramatic Super Bowl would sort of be fitting for what has been one of the most entertaining postseasons the NFL's had in quite a while. So, um, you know, again, I, I feel like if I were, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to bet on it or anything, but if, if I did, I think on paper it would have to be the Rams, uh, again, because of their defense and specifically their pass rush. But, man, it is so hard to uh, go against 
Cincinnati and Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, given what they've done and sort of the heater that they've been on here this last month or so. Excellent stuff once again from Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, thanks for joining us on the block today. We'll catch up with you next week. Pleasure, guys. All right, there he goes, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's your chance to win $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings. All you have to do is beat Strick on our game show, Shootout with Strick. I'm not even sure we have uh, Nate working on uh, the, the topic today, so I don't know what the, the questions will be or what the topic will be, but give us a call right now, 402-464-5685. First one in line. you got to do it. you got to call now. First one in line gets to do the game show with Strick for the chance at the chicken, but if Strick does win, then the third caller can win as well so uh don't give up hope if you're not the first caller here uh but uh that's all coming up next here on the block on 93.7 the ticket